Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to Crossbody Work. My name is Evan. I am Javier. This week, Japanuary rolls on with our second of three episodes focused just on Japanese wrestlers. This time, we look at a stalwart of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Somebody who was there for a long time. The last of the original three musketeers that we're covering on this podcast. Masahiro Chono. Very exciting. Yes, super exciting. We've like I mentioned, the last of the three that we've covered on this podcast previously. We've already done the Great Muda slash Kaiji Muto. Yep. And we've also already done uh I for, I'm forgetting his first name. Hasha, uh, Shinya, Shinya Shinya Hashimoto. Yes. Uh we did him last year for Japanuary. So this year we're closing out the circle, the triad, I should yeah. say, with uh with Masahiro Chono. On this show, we cover a wrestler through five of their most important matches or five matches we can find on the internet. Uh, and so we are looking at a bunch of different matches from Chono's career. We'll talk about them. We'll have some laughs. We'll have a good time. Wherever you are listening to the podcast, rate five stars. Helps us out tremendously as we continue to grow. Uh, also, if you're watching on YouTube, hello. It's good to see you. How many fingers am I holding up? Uh, hit subscribe. Isn't that fun? We're on the road to 200. We're trying to get there before WrestleMania, which is less then three months away from our Ooh. recording, we will be at WrestleMania. We will be at Stand and Deliver. We will be at a bunch of other wrestling events that weekend. We will be making lots of content. So hit subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on all of our socials, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. That's enough of the housekeeping. If you had to describe Chono in a sentence, what would you say to people? Goatee. You don't even need extra words. Just one word, yeah. goatee. It's one word, goatee. I don't know. Have you ever seen someone with a goatee, who, aside from Wheeler Yuta, have you ever seen someone with a goatee that was just like, damn, that dude's going to punch me and it's going to hurt? I mean, Stone Cold. Like, well, no. Like, aside from Wheeler Yuta, yeah. every single person with a goatee looks like they're just going to rock oh, their world. With oh, a punch. that's what you mean. Yes. Yeah. Especially wrestling. Jim Neidhart. Steve Austin. Yeah. Goatees are scary. Yeah. This the scariest of the facial hairs. Although I think Wheeler actually grew out his whole beard. So now I don't think he counts anymore. The, the the least like if I see someone with a with a goatee, it's the least likely I am to go talk to somebody. I'm more likely to talk to someone with a mustache than a goatee. I'm any sort of facial hair, first off, I'm not likely to talk to anybody, but uh any sort of facial hair, 
aside from a goatee, you'll probably get me to to open up to you. If you talk to me with a goatee, I'm gonna be like, I'm sorry, sir. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not engaging. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm I just, can't. I can't do it. I'm immediately just apologizing, and that's because of people like Chono. So Chono, uh, I wouldn't describe him as a big boy, but like a beefy guy, six one, two thirty eight listed. Yeah, I mean, he is okay. For, as I'm, I guess, as a modern day kind of example, a he way that comp. I would describe him is, um, I literally just had the name in my head, Shingo Takagi from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Okay, yeah, who's yeah, a little older. Shingo, I think, is is probably around forty at this point. Um, but you know, he's the same exact kind of build: six feet, six one, barrel chested. Uh, you know, also has a goatee. Also has a goatee. He's got hair though, um, or a long hair though. And then you know he's he's a striker, but he's just also like an incredible wrestler. He could do so many other things in the ring. Um, and I I don't think it's a like for like comp as far as the in ring ability goes because I do mm-hmm. think that Shingo is a better worker. But I, I do think, think really that, truly different eras of of their primes. Yes, um, but I, I I do think that as far as like. You know where? Who's the first person that came to my mind when I thought of Chono? It really was Shingo Takagi. That I think is fair. A former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, just like Masahiro Chono, who debuted in 1984 against Kaiji Muto in a New Japan Wrestling event in Saitama, Japan. In 1987, he defeated Shinya Hashimoto to win the Young Lions Cup. So these three intertwined their whole career. It's all together. The, the three, like the three Musketeers, they're always going to be together. In April of 89, he took part in the IWGP Heavyweight Championship Tournament held at New Japan's very first show at the Tokyo Dome, which we have covered before, uh, and lost to the eventual t- winner of the tournament, a man we've covered multiple times. Thank you, Haas Month, Big Van Vader. Ooh. That's a good match. Uh, he it's left, boy too. did some excursion. He came back in October of 89 and reinvented himself. Uh, he debuted a signature move against Matt Bourne. It's actually who he debuted his STF against. Which I thought was really interesting. Wow. It's like when we learned that Joey Abs took the first ever Stone Cold Stunner. I'm sorry, we I you know, you've probably told me that before, but you just telling me that right now just shocked me to my core. During our Stone Cold uh Steve Austin three parter, I f- found out through Wikipedia that the first ever Stone Cold Stunner on TV like WWE TV was to Joey Abs. Which feels wrong. It does feel wrong because I don't. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he was in the like the Mean Street Posse area yet, or if he was just a jobber at that point. Or was he still doing? Was Austin still doing the first version of the Stunner by that point, where he just kind of like held him there for a little I bit? Don't remember. Um, but you know, early on, Mudo or uh, Chono had some success. He actually won the IWGP TA Team Championships with Mudo. Uh, and defeated on December 26, 1990, defeated his mentor, Lou Thez. Thez came out of retirement for one match and put over Chono, which I find very interesting. Chono, I like that. Chono would then go on into the first ever 1991, the first ever G1 Climax. And that is where our first match takes place. It's the first ever G1 Climax Finals. It is, of course, Chono versus Muto. Now... Some historians and people who know the history of New Japan are going to be very confused. I said this is the first ever G1 Climax. Can you explain how it's different in 91 compared to the years past? Do you remember what what the difference is? No. (laughs) This is the first one that was called the G1. uh, Yeah. But also was the, I think, the first time that it was 
Um, not they took a break. They didn't do it in 1990, and then they had settled on the the round robin format in '91. Before there had been some that were like four blocks, and before that there were some that were like just a an actual tournament the whole way. But then it goes back. It's very confusing. I don't know why okay, they yeah. say that the G1 is just 1991 on, but concern that that was concerning to me. So I I was confused by that. No, you're right. So it was just yeah. like a they they basically had no real format for it. Um, I guess what previously? the G no really it was the 91 was the so they do have more tournament style after 91. 91 was the first year they called it the G1. And yeah. before that, it had a variety of other names. It was the World Cup tournament. It was the IWGP League. But this is the first one with the G1 branding. They would go back and forth between round robin and tournament style. But this one was round robin style. Yeah. So it's just the name. It's just the namesake. It's like how a couple years ago was the first ever Washington Commander series. We know or like year. We do know that the other one existed, but that was the first year of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, it's. Do you know where the G one gets its name? No, actually, horse so, like, racing. The plane, horse oh, racing. G one is the highest level of thoroughbred and standardbred stakes racing in many countries, and so they named it after horse racing because they are the fucking Inoki. Oh, it was uh, Saiji uh, Sakaguchi who named it, not Inoki. Oh my god, even worse. <laughs> yeah, a, th- a thing from from New Japan history that wasn't Inoki. Very surprising. <laughs> While he was alive, too. It's crazy. This is a very interesting match to me because this is Kaiji Muto before the Muda gimmick. This is interesting to me for a lot of reasons. But, uh, and it's one, also Shono before the Yakuza gimmick. So it's it's a very yeah. interesting dynamic. It's So it's Shono's a baby face, which is always weird to me because I like never see he, him as a baby face. He was a top heel for years. We'll get to it. Um, yeah. Not as much, really, because it's really hard to find Yakuza gimmick Chono. <laughs> yeah, he like he was there. We promise. It just was hard yeah. to find. Chono, for, uh, we'll get to it later. Anyways, uh, this match is interesting for a lot of reasons. It's kind of like uh, it's like watching a Shinsuke Nakamura match before he, he went on excursion to Mexico and became like the okay, flamboyant yeah. rock star kind of guy. Yeah. Um, you know, like seeing him against like Tanahashi circa like 2007, 2006, that range. Um, it's just like, oh yeah, these are two guys. They're really good. But that's not them. <laughs> like that's not the them that we know. Yeah. You know? So it's it's interesting. Like it's very clearly just two really talented guys going at it. And I obviously I know why these two were in the final. They're the two young guys, I th- I don't know if they've been anointed as the three musketeers yet by this point. It might be 92 or somewhere around that range that that happens. Uh, but uh, but yeah, these guys go out there. Honestly, Kaiji Muto looks exactly the same. Like as like the Muda gimmick, just no face paint. Pretty. Much. I would like to point out that at the very beginning of the match, for some reason, Muto looks like afraid. His posture is super off. I think he's trying to like puff up to look like intimidating. But he's too far forward, so he looks like a f- he. I'm doing like an Igor right now on if you're watching on YouTube. Like I'm like yes, doctor. Like he looks a little too far back. Like he's kind of like I don't know. And his eyebrows are really high, and he's kind of like afraid looking. Meanwhile, Chono just stone faced, just doesn't care. Yeah, he's the same guy always. Heel, you know this, baby face. It's just Chono. You know what this reminds me of? There's a clip going around recently. Um, it was a, a, a game where the two starting pitchers were supposed to be Greg Maddox and Randy Johnson, and both 
both were scratched. And so they're like, oh, well, there's two young upstarts instead who are take who are going to pitch. And the two young upstarts who were making like, you know, not first career, but like maybe Wait, first career. Was this like 2007? Who, do you remember who the two are? Was it like Max Scherzer and someone else? Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, let's see what these young guys can do. And it's like, oh, they're fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how Jesus this is. Christ. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, th- it really is how this feels. Like, it, it, it's just really, don't get me wrong. Like, we could have found they're, matches. They're in the, they're in the G1 final. So, like, they're Yeah, they're, this is also, pushed. like, seven years into their careers. You, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, they had gone on excursion and come back by this point and all that jazz. They just but, aren't who we know they will be. Yeah, they aren't. They're, like, Gohan versus Cell, not Gohan later on. <laughs> Way to just bring the nerds back in. I appreciate you. Um <laughs> I would say, like, again, this is another one of those episodes where if we go beat by beat through a match, it's going to be absurd. The thing that really drew me in this match, this is one of my favorite matches this week. It's not my recommendation, but it is one of my favorites. The mat work really early is unbelievably fun. And I am not a mat work person. We have established that. You're the mat work person. I'm not. This kept my attention. So I will give them a lot of strength was so fun. Yeah, it was really good. Because they like were flipping over each other, like Chono kind of like, like gets a slam almost, kind of yeah, like he does. It's it's very amateur wrestling ish. They keep the grips on, but he like kind of flips Mudo over to for for a slam, and it's it's really cool. Um, Mudo does his extra as hell elbow drop, like standing elbow drop, which I yeah. love. I love it every time. Um, he ends up missing the the. Uh, handspring back elbow. Chono hits a back suplex off of it. Uh, just everyone. Uh, actually, I can't even say get, you take a shot every time Chono hits a back suplex because you would die by the you third would match. But, but like, just someone keep a tally, a running tally of yeah. how many back suplexes. There's one. Um, the uh, the big move. So, like, in the middle of the match, the big move that caught my attention again uh, is just, Mudo's just like cattle mutilation. I was like, oh, I know that. That's a great move. Oh, that move. Yeah. Yeah. Jono hits a gnarly boot to the face, which will also be a trend of his. It's just kicking people in the face. I don't know anyone under 6'4 who hits as good of a big boot as Masahiro Chono. Yeah. For, for, and I understand some of his opponents also small, but he can get his boot up and connect. And he has like, he plants and pushes when he does the boot. Yeah, because like, he twists mid, yeah. like as he makes contact. So it's I like think a, that's what makes it better hmm. is that a lot of guys, they just put, like, obviously some big guys don't have the mobility. They just put their boot up and a guy runs into it. His is like a plant and push. Like, he's really fucking kicking people. Yeah, honestly, I do not want to take those. Um, Chono hits a power driver. He hits a second one, which honestly caught me by surprise. Yeah. Uh, then he went for a submission, uh, which it kind of looked like a knee bar of kind. Uh, yeah. Mudo slips out of the ring, though. And then Mudo reverses a pile driver attempt on the outside into a back body drop. Mudo then hits a pile driver in the crowd right onto the concrete. And I was like, oh, that's bad boy behavior. Really, you really are the heel, Mudo. This is G1. This is G1. <laughs> this yeah, is we're here. the G1 final. And we're doing we're busting out pile drivers on concrete floors. It's true. Um, let's talk about the the end stretch of the match because very similar to what I think people think of with I would say the new Japan style in general. Lots of buildup, lots of work, some yeah. some some spots in the middle, and then just a rapid fire crazy ending. 
Pretty much, yeah. We get a gotch style power driver for a near fall, a dragon suplex with a bridge for a near fall because uh, Chono's foot was on the ropes. Yeah, Muno flipped like the, him over too too hard, essentially. The, the Neville Seth the Rollins. The Neville Rollins spot, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mudo misses a moonsault. Chono gets an STF on, um, which is just the most beautiful STF out there. Like John Cena, just watch some New Japan. Just you'll be able to see how to do it. I will say the other pranks it too. The other thing I like about pretty much every time uh, Chono locks in the STF is that immediately once the once his leg, like the opponent's legs, are wrapped the way that it is for an STF, they start to scurry to the ropes because they know what's coming. They don't just let it happen. Yeah. They're very much like panic mode. If I get caught in this, I'm fucked. Yeah. Uh, Mudo puts on an octopus. Uh, Chono just falls to get out of it, which <laughs> is a move. Falls. It literally just falls forward, or I think it's backward. Yeah. He falls in one direction, and the hold breaks, because how do you keep that on? <laughs> it's um, actually brilliant. You should. That's how that move should be countered all the time. Yeah, literally. Um, Mudo hits a moonsault, but, uh, but Chono gets his knees up. And then finally, stack power bomb. One, two, three. Masahiro Chono wins the match. He is the first ever G1 winner. He then would also, uh, I believe, win the tournament in '92. So he won the first two G1 climaxes, if I'm if I'm correct. I mean, he's Mister G1. I think he's won five of them. He's won five. He's Mister August. And this one was the tournament style, where also he wins the NWA World Heavyweight Championship by winning the tournament. Yeah. Sorry, what? <laughs> and it's funny because throwing he, that out there. If you look at his path to the finals and the people he faced, it's four names that all Western wrestling fans will know. Uh, first round, sexy Barry Windham. No oh. problems there. Uh, IG. Round two, Steve Austin. Round three, Ooh. Kaiji Muto. And in the finals, Rick Rude. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's like one of Rick Root's best matches. Uh, I remember looking up is him versus Chono in the finals of that tournament. So that that is a hell of a stretch for matches, too. That is uh, Chono would actually. And this is, again, some some very sad irony. I think Chono suffered a serious neck injury from a botched sit down tombstone pile driver on September 23rd, 92, defending the NW World Heavyweight Championship against Steve Austin. So oh. Chono got a neck problem against Steve Austin in 92, which of course is a, f- a forerunner to things that would happen to Austin. On January 4th, he lost the NWA world title to IWGP heavyweight champion, the great Muda in a title versus title match. We then move to April of 93 for our second match. It's Chono teaming up with Shinya Hashimoto against uh, the great Muda, but not really. It's just Kaiji Muto here and Hiroshi Hase. Who I fucking love. I love Hiroshi Hase. I still remember him from uh, from the Mudo stuff and the Hashimoto stuff. He's really fun. Uh, Hase has a glorious mustache, and Mudo has the inability to take off his shirt. Did you <laughs> see that in, in the opening? He can't get his fucking shirt off. Can't get it off. It, it's it's the same way. Like I've seen some clips before on TikTok where it's like guys have a certain way they take their shirts off, and like girls can't do it. How do like, you take your shirt off? I mean, I'm not going to do it on the pod. I don't need that in the internet. No, but, but like, you just, it's, I just it's, do it's, this. Yeah, like, I do this, but there's the the way where you do, like, the full pull up from the bottom, and people, like, I some people can't do, do it. Yeah. I think it's a movie thing. I think people only do that in the movies. Like, it's the way that Ryan Gosling takes his shirt off in uh, Crazy Stupid Love. My thing is, if I do it that way, then my shirt's inside out. What if I want to put the shirt back on? We, well, that depends. If you're just going to wash it, you could just throw it in the laundry because it should go inside out in the laundry. 
Well, yeah. But if I'm like, I don't know. What if I'm just like, what if it's not laundry time? I want to put that back on. Then you do it the regular way. Like I'm just always going to do it the regular way, personally yeah. speaking. But yeah, uh, Mudo has no fucking idea how to take a shirt off. It takes him That's a while. Funny. It's like, is it by is it by the sleeve? Listen, anything's better than how John Cena takes the shirt off. My man does his the shirt, one side? takes the shirt off in three parts. <laughs> well, he takes his arm out, and then he he's got to reach down, and then he's got to pull, and then he. Ugh. <laughs> it's really weird. I actually had never thought about that. It's incredibly weird how he takes the shirt off. Anyways, before the match starts, Hase and Muda are doing sexy poses. They're they're very much like uh, for the benefit of flash photography. Like these, they're just they're mugging. Uh, they're getting it. Um, also, I was so glad that you put a match with Hashimoto on the list because Hashimoto is one of boy. my favorite big boys I've ever learned about from this podcast. Big boy. If there's like a top five of wrestlers I've discovered through doing this pod, like Hashimoto is on that top five without question. Number one is Ishii, as we all know. Well. That's my guy. That's why he has the Stone Pitbull Award named after him. You should go and listen to our year-end awards for 2023. The Workies. Uh, a great name. Sorry, working title. Um, Always a working title. <laughs> Jono has like a sort of explosion to him when he puts on submission holds. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be the STF. Yeah. It could be like a. a it could even be just be a headlock. He has this sort of like aggressive like kind of like i said explosion to him Mm -hmm. that i like really like there is something very legitimate about all of the things chono does in the ring which i appreciate the goatee man i'm telling you you're not wrong about him goes back to the goatee he is just like i just don't i see listen first off i see a man that burrow chested with a goatee i'm walking the other way there is nothing good that can happen to me in a situation where I am going no. in the direction that that individual is in. But what if what if you also want to get into the Harley Davidson dealership? What then? I'll go to another one. <laughs> what do you mean it's five hundred miles away? I'll walk. Early on, a lot of trade. Like it, it's very much trading. There's no nobody really has the advantage for long. Um, the biggest thing in terms of getting advantage, uh, Hashimoto at one point is going for a corner crescent kick. And I think it's Mudo who's in the corner, uh, dodges, and Hashimoto just goes fucking ass over tea kettle to the outside. It's so good. Because Hashimoto has at this point hit a couple of those crescent kicks, and they look really nice. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'll just go for one in the corner. And he just sails. <laughs> Sail. Um, oh, God, my favorite thing. That Hashimoto does in this entire match. Honestly, it might be my favorite thing that happens in any of these matches. At one point, he literally just runs right through Kaiji Muto. Oh, yes. Just runs right through him. There was no move in that other than get out the way, bitch. Yes. In terms of the uh, the action in the ring, I There's really think that Chono and Hase are very much a big, like, it's kind of like a mirror. Like, they have a lot of similarities in terms of the way they move. Their yes. movesets are not the same, but the way they move no. in the ring. So whenever they're in the ring, it's very interesting to see. I, it, the biggest things that are interesting to me in wrestling are two very different styles or two very similar styles. And they're very yeah. similar. And so I, I, I liked every time they matched up. I was watching a lot of the way that Hase worked, and I was like, Jay White, you dirty, dirty boy. Okay, I see that. Jay White, you I dirty, dirty that. boy. 
Especially at one point, uh, Hase does a superplex, or yeah, he hits a superplex on Chono, and then he does like the the Uranagi that Jay White does, where it's like here, and then he freaking bring he like does like a, a kind of like a one eighty on the way down, and yeah. he brings him down. It's super exaggerated, and just like a lot of the movement stuff, I was like, Jay White, okay, my man was yeah. watching fucking Hiroshi Hase and just getting inspired. Like, it honestly, isn't until this match that I was like. I'm seeing a lot of Jay White in this guy. Again, the end of the match is a crazy sequence of action. Yeah, this has so much to it that we couldn't possibly like even talk about. Not even beat for beat is out of the question. We couldn't even possibly like r- do a slight rundown. Um, like the ending of the match, there's DDT's trade. There's a big boot by Chono, one of his beautiful yeah. ones again. Another one to Hase. He locks in STF, but Hase, like I said, just immediately scrambles to the ropes because he's like, I'm not getting caught. Not this time. Chono locks in again. Mudo breaks it up. Tosses Hashimoto to the outside. Like, there's a lot happening. I love it, though. Um, Hase hits a Uranagi. Mudo hits a side breaker. But Chono gets out of the way on the moonsault. Uh, Mudo lands. And then just eats one of the most beautiful thrust kicks you'll ever see from Hashimoto. Yep. Um, at one point, there's like an ex- everything's going crazy. Hase is on Hashimoto, getting him out of the ring. The, they're Chono literally just, brawled to the outside. Yeah, Chono just collapses. <laughs> he just collapses in yeah. exhaustion. Uh, Mudo hits a moonsault. One, two, three. Mudo and Hase win the match. I don't know if this is my recommendation. Either. Like this is maybe one of the weeks where the recommendation is the hardest to find because they're all. It's pretty not because good. they're bad. No, <laughs> they're all pretty they're good. I think this is my recommendation now that I think about it hard. I think this is it. I think this is my recommendation more so because I think that if you really want a breakdown of not only the three musketeers of of New Japan Pro Wrestling, like the original three musketeers of New Japan Pro Wrestling, but also Hiroshi Hase, I think this is the match that really like personifies not only them but like really showcases exactly what all four of those men can do and are about like really like and you get you get little samplers of all it's the appetizers for each and every one of them like over here we've got your we've got your your chono he's your wing he's your like wings over here we've got your your potato bites that's that's hase got some mozzarella sticks over here that's that's mudo and then finally you're ending off with a fucking burger or your, I guess sliders, if, if we're doing appetizers, and that's Hashimoto. I do love a good burger. All right, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we have NWO Japan and an exploding barbed wire death match. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Back from the break, August 94, 
Chono wins his third G1 Climax tournament, defeating Power Warrior in the finals. Great name, not the ultimate words. Kensuke Sasaki, not, it's not Jim Helwig. A short time after his third G1 win is that's where Chono turns heel. And the reason was he was angered that Power Warrior received an IWGP Heavyweight Championship match before him because he, even though he won the tournament, and changes him into the Yakuza gimmick that we would essentially know for the rest of his career. He had the sunglasses, he became more menacing, he wore black coats, he wore black tights, and he partnered with Hiroshi, uh, Hiroshi Tenzen and Hiro Saito as Team Wolf, which provided the foundation for New Japan's NWO Japan. So he was the leader of the NWO Japan stable and would actually go to America and go to WCW in the 90s. And so that's where we go. It is December 16th, 1996. It's Nitro. And Chono is here with his manager slash translator, Sonny Ono. Uh, and they're going to get interviewed by Mean Gene. The goat. The goat. Commentary spoils what's about to happen. Did you catch that? You, is that Bischoff? It's Bischoff. The they. Bischoff. So the big thing is that Chono is going to reveal during the segment that he has an NWO shirt on and turn and be the NWO. Um, they say that he's NWO when he arrives and they say yeah. like they've got a surprise. And it's like, well then the, the surprise we all knew by the end of 96, the surprise, if they said there was a surprise was that they're joining the NWO. Yeah. So, um, so this looks like a very sleazy looking man. He's the perfect car salesman. He looks like he could sell you the fuck out of a Buick. Oh, you haven't seen, you haven't seen Godzilla minus one. Have you? No, I haven't. It's so good. Uh, definitely watch it if you ever get the chance. But for those who are listening who have seen Godzilla Minus One, the scientist that's a part of the the like crew, that looks exactly like Sonny Ono. It's uncanny. <laughs> I love Sonny Ono's uh, mannerisms as well. Just the smile he'd have, the sunglasses, always just kind of very happy to be like, I love Sonny Ono's mannerisms. I thought he was a, I thought he was a really effective manager for what he was supposed to be. Now, honestly, I have no opinion of Sonny Ono because I just don't know enough about Sonny Ono. So um, Gene, Gene Okerlund is here. He's, gonna, he's on the ramp. He's interviewing Ono and Chono. Uh, but Gene clearly doesn't remember Chono's name. Did you notice that? No, I did it. But now do you say it? He doesn't say his name once. <laughs> he says, Sonny Ono, you're here and, and he's here. And <laughs> goes and Sonny um, was like, just like when you're in that case, just call him Bud. Sonny Sonny Ono says that he's basically acting as Chono's agent and he's helping Chono negotiate with New Japan Pro Wrestling Uh, Chono uh, Ono opens his shirt to reveal that he's wearing a New Japan shirt Chono opens his trench coat and reveals that he's rocking the NWO shirt Chono cuts a promo in Japanese and doesn't let Ono translate instead grabs by the shirt and tosses him Uh, I can't believe he skipped over the the shirt does not no Good shirt material. Can't believe you skipped over the very important Jerry Maguire reference that <laughs> Gene Okerlund makes. Yeah, I think this is Jerry Maguire. Yeah, you're, you're basically his, Jer- his Sonny Jerry Ono Maguire. not knowing what the fuck that was. He was thrilled. He's like, yes, I'm Jerry Maguire. Like, Jerry Maguire had come out, what, a couple of months before? Oh, no. Jerry Maguire had come out three days before this. <laughs> 
So shout out to Gene Okerlund for being immediately on the references. Like, I was oh, yes, Jerry McGuire was ninety six, which is better than WWE in their like year delayed thing. Whenever they try to do a pop culture reference, oh the RKO out of nowhere thing happening a year or almost two years after the RKO out of nowhere trend. I was going with the uh, the spoofing of the OJ. Uh, chase around LA with it, WrestleMania 12 like a, what like a, a couple months late yeah there's a lot there's a lot yeah Jerry Maguire a good movie I love Jerry Maguire I think it's uh I can't I was going to say I think it's Tom Cruise's best performance it's just not it's not even his best performance of the 90s <laughs> like, no but that's okay it's his best Magnolia is but it's up there it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Also, Cuba Gooding Jr. outstanding in that movie. It's the best Cuba Gooding Jr. performance. I'm tell you something. Uh, that is uh, Snow Dogs Erasure, and I won't. <laughs> I won't stand for it. Jesus Christ! A couple things happened in WCW for Chono. One was he had a match against Goldberg and shot on him and uh, dislocated his shoulder. Actually, yeah. He yeah he, he dislocated his own shoulder. I think on I don't know. How, I didn't know how to read this. He either dislocated his own shoulder or dislocated Bill's shoulder. Okay, how, what the hell does it say? It just says Chono supposedly shot the match and dislocated his shoulder. Oh, so he dislocated. Wait, the Goldberg was that a statement like Goldberg saying that in a match against WCW's Bill Goldberg? Chono supposedly shot the match and dislocated his shoulder. Yeah, so Chono. I think Chono dislocated Goldberg's shoulder. Which is very funny because people always give William Regal like a little bit of shit to be like, why did you make him look bad? Chono's like, he didn't. (laughs) Chono's like, I'm going to make him look like shit. Watch me get him. (laughs) Like Regal has explicitly said, yeah, they told me to do that. And he still to this day says like, yeah, they told me to do that. And I'm just going to believe him. He's not an asshole. No, he's not. Uh, I'm very excited for William Regal to get back on our TV. I think he'll be there soon. Uh, Uh... I think that uh, Nick Aldis is going to eventually just end up on um, NXT. No, 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 on uh, like wrestling, and I think that's uh, going to leap open it up to Regal being the SmackDown general manager. I have no problem with that. I think that's great. He can control the authors of Pain who are back, which is which is we had made. We, I had told you they'd been signed for like a year and a half, a couple and of weeks back, ago, and now they're Karrion back. Karrion Cross is Triple H cooking. I don't know, but I like to think that both promotions are cooking right now because I'm also getting Hook challenging for the AEW World Championship, and that's all that matters to me. There is nothing that makes me laugh harder than Tony Khan. Just ha- Tony Khan should not have access to a phone. He's just he's just <laughs> out there fucking it up to the tempo. He does not care. So and bad. and I I think it's funny because. I exist, and you and I both exist, in what I think is the larger world of wrestling fandom, where we're like, wrestling's fun. Everybody else relax. All these tribalism people who are like, WWE is the best, or AEW is the best. I'm like, dude, relax. It's all yeah. wrestling. Everybody. Loading barbed wire death matches. Oh, all right. Let's talk about that. So, Chono comes back to Japan, uh, has lots of success, wins the IWGP Tag Team titles on six occasions, wins the IWGP Heavyweight Championship in 98, and our match that we're looking at is against Atsushi Onida, who we covered last week. It is a no-rope, explosive, barbed-wire death match at New Japan, New Japan Strong Style Symphony, 1999. You make a funny of me New saying... Japan? 
New Japan. Is that not, Japan. Is that not how you say it? Um, Onita's here. He's uh, coming out to Wild Thing. He lights a cigarette on his way to the ring and is getting pelted with garbage. And I was like, this man is Oscar the Grouch in human form. It's just like he's in all black aside from his white tank top. And it's just, he looks like such a badass. And then Chono just comes through and steals all the badassery. Because he arrives in a Hummer. Yep. He's rocking all black leather. Everything that he is wearing is black leather. And he's got a cigar in his mouth. He's crazy over. And I'm like, who the fuck? Like, Roman Reigns' aura could not match this. I just said there's too much cool in one match. And then luckily it's bounced out because the referee's in a polo and ski goggles. Because it's yeah. another exploding death match. We, we've we gone from covering no exploding death matches on this podcast to doing two back-to-back weeks with them. It's a lot. Are you okay? I, I mean, I didn't have to get blown up, so I'm fine. Uh, so, Onita's tank top was already torn before the match started. This ties into your theory that he has something underneath it, that, or like there's the same tear every time. Now, I'm telling you, he's wearing the same one. Like, he just washes it or something. I swear to God. I believe it. Like, <laughs> Onita missed an opportunity. I mean, we talked about him being on a video game last week. Um, but he missed an opportunity for more branding oh. for, like, to do, like, laundry detergent. To be like, look at how bloody this is. And then one cold wash of Mr. Mister Sparkle and you're all set. Like, <laughs> Mr. Sparkle. Um, Chono avoids fall, uh, avoids getting like whipped into the wire in a very fun way. He's like, "Oh, huh, I'm too too strong. I'm too agile." And then just flexes on him. He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Dude, you're still gonna blow up." Pop the <laughs> Um, Chono like lightly brushes the wire, but he's also wearing like a leather vest, so. He like barely touches it. It lightly pops, but he doesn't feel any of it because mm-hmm. he's wearing the leather vest and he's not selling it. So I'm like, oh, he wasn't supposed to touch it. <laughs> Does Chono's gear remind you of Ministry of Darkness Undertaker or is that just me? No, it reminds me of Ace. Or what, what is it? Not Aces and Aids. What's the WWE one? From the from the 90s and from the Attitude Era? Oh, the, the D- uh, yeah. Uh, DOA. DOA. Yeah. yeah, it reminds me of DOA. I think it's because his, his shoulders are a little pointy, and I was like, this is Ministry of Darkness Undertaker. No, because... Where to, Stephanie? Undertaker wasn't wearing full leather. <laughs> like, he, also no, he just didn't wrestle in it. Like, when he had the, when he had the, I, the coat thing, he didn't wrestle in it. Here's the thing. I don't know how people wrestle in leather. Like, fake leather where it's just glossy and it's like whatever. Like, that's fine. But this looks like real leather. I haven't worn enough leather to know how difficult it is to move around. No, because here it's not even that. It's so fucking hot in there, and I just know it. Like, I just be rocking my leather uh, jacket, and just the jacket alone, I'm like, oh, this is is warm. I I, I was going to ask you, and I'm still going to ask you, on the record, do you have leather pants? No, no. I'm I'm not very... um, what, What is it? I'm not very diverse with my pants. It's just like jeans khakis and like regular dress pants mm, okay you're not diversifying you're not leather pantsing it up <laughs> should i get a pair of leather pants should i wear them to wrestlemania i don't know are you a dad going through a divorce i don't think you should well i am neither a dad nor married so <laughs> i think you're fine um all right so the first explosion that happens uh is 
not either of the wrestlers hitting the ropes, which I find very fun. <laughs> Chono just whips a chair at Onita, and Onita dodges, and instead it just hits the ropes and explodes. Yeah, it, it was huge. I think that might have been the biggest explosion of the match. Oh, no, the them all tumbling into the ropes that we'll get to in a second. That's yeah. the biggest explosion. But. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Onita does a bulldog onto a chair um that actually that chair the chair that blew up yeah (laughs) um chono whips uh whipped into the wire gets whipped into the wire for for a big big explosion yeah yeah big explosion um also big pop from the crowd big pop chono puts a knee bar on then he just kind of gives up on it like after (laughs) three seconds he's done he's tired it's like i don't care uh chono moves onita goes right into the wire the crowd loved that one the crowd, the crowd is waiting for Onita. Essentially, it's like The Simpsons, where it's like, say the line, Bart. Like they're just like, get exploded at sushi. We know it's happening. Chowabunga, dude. Uh, I can't believe you mentioned you did mention that when Onita does the bulldog onto Chono. Chono is getting himself up, and out of instinct, he goes to pull himself up by the ropes that do not exist because it's barbed wire. And you see his arm go, and then it pauses, and he's like, oh, and then just like stand straight up he just leaves his hair there for a second like ah that i will say if i were a wrestler i'd 100 percent grabbed like i wouldn't there wouldn't have been a pause for me i honestly would have grabbed it not even close not a doubt in my mind am i accidentally grabbing the rope (laughs) oh yeah not a doubt in my mind i'm like oh fuck it's this again that was like fuck (laughs) jonos uh ends up in control after a slap fight because he sent Onita into the uh, into the explosion. Uh, the c- crowd is excited when Chono low blows Onita. Like, the crowd's hyped. The crowd does not like Onita. <laughs> yeah, they're not in an Onita at all. No, it's because it's like a cross-promotional thing. Like, yeah, he's so like, oh, he's one of the other FMJF. Like, uh, there's, the, there's the tribalism thing coming back into play. Um, <laughs> there's like a very clear, like, they are just like trying their best to to get the referee involved there's like a little bit of a holding pattern because the spot isn't ready yet between onita and the ref and then chono tackles onita onita grabs the ref and the two all three of them tumble into the wire and there is just a big boom another ref is in the ring to replace our apparently dead referee uh the second ref is late to the pinfall that chono has an onita and onita kicks out because he's checking on the first dead referee. Then the best big boot that Chono hits this whole episode happens yeah. right here. Kicks the damn head off of that motherfucker. <laughs> uh, near fall. Another big boot. Near fall. Chono, it's a Saito suplex. On o- but Onita like, keeps a headlock on. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting. Um, Chono pushes him into the wire off the headlock. They fail to make a 10 count. Both of them? And yeah. I, I, draw? It's a draw. It's a draw. Which is weird. Very weird. Chono yells into the mic. Uh, I thought they were going to restart the match. They just That's what I thought out. too. Yeah. Uh, Chono leaves the ring. Onita joins him on the ramp. Puts Onita's jacket on him. So there's like a show of respect. But kind of flat to have them end with a double can't answer the 10 count. I thought that was kind of weird. I didn't like it. Didn't like it. It's not the recommendation this week. If you want to see Onita explode, just listen to last week's episode and watch all the matches. This is more so for you to see You can watch one that's filmed by a private eye, and it's a really fun time. 
Anyways, let's go to break so I can talk about Kenta Kobashi. Let's go to break. When we get back, a match against Kenta Kobashi. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Back from the break, and we'll dive right into it. It's New Japan Ultimate Crush on May 2nd, 2003. It's the GHC Heavyweight Championship match. It's Kenta Kobashi versus Masahiro Chono. This is not my recommendation for the week because I said it was going to be that tack match because of more than just wrestling. But this is, without a doubt in my mind, the best match of the week. Chono has dyed blonde hair and is a fucking vibe. Chono's just reason, I was okay with it just watching the whole thing. Because uh, Kenta Kabashi, even though he's post-knee injury and like Loki a little washed and all this other stuff and like getting up there in age, he's... Not as motivated as a wrestler. All this, you know, we covered all of this in the Kabashi episode. The motherfucker is still one of the best wrestlers in the world. I wrote much older Kenta Kobashi, but still a goat. Like, it's what like you- LeBron the this like past few years with the Lakers. Yeah, specifically this year, like LeBron, just like he isn't the LeBron athletically that we're used to, but he's still like the smartest basketball player in the world. Yeah. He's 39, or is he? Yeah, he was, he's 39, 39 now. Yeah. His birthday just happened the other day. Um, but, like, still putting up his 26, 7, and 7, you know? So I'm really interested in what you think of this match and why it's the best match. I just think that they went out there and just fucking killed it. Like, this is Kobashi. I don't know. There's just, like, an intensity that they're able to bring out of each other because nobody knows how to turn a fight into a fight yeah like kenta kabashi does and chono is one of the best strikers i have ever seen in the wrestling ring so yeah. just those two going at it chono's a great seller too that, that's an underrated aspect of him that that we haven't really touched on yet he is really really good at selling yeah. and anybody selling for kenta kabashi is a great deal and kenta kabashi is again honestly arguably the greatest pro wrestler of all time <laughs> um, yeah, that makes it easy so, to have a good match the other thing that i think yeah. some people might be a little like huh is kobashi famously is all japan and then pro wrestling noah and you're like well this is like you said chono is in new japan well chono is in noah for a handful of matches in 2002 2003 a couple other things that we kind of skipped over that chono did between the onita match obviously he was in uh, like the NWO, then they it folded. Um, he also had a uh, a fourth G1 Climax win in 2002. He had a feud with China, which was interesting. He had a Chono, there was a Chono-China yeah. feud. And he became a booker for New Japan around this time, around the turn of the new millennium. 
Uh, and then, like I said, he joins in 2003 for Pro Wrestling Noah to have a couple matches, including this one against Kobashi, and another one where he loses to Hulk Hogan later in the year. Yeah, obligatory fuck Hulk Hogan, but that's a match that exists. It's Chono versus Hogan in 2003. What the fuck? Very weird, right? A very weird time. All right. Another okay. match that going beat by beat is going to be crazy. No, no way. Um, there's a great delayed uh, vertical suplex by Kobashi pretty early on. He's holding him forever. <laughs> forever. It's like Bobby Lashley when he had when he had that feud with Sami Zayn and he's just yeah. like holding him there. Just. I was expecting yeah. him to start doing squats. I was like, fuck, he's going to he's going to start squatting this man. Um, they're taking their time with this one. That's what I, that's one of my notes here. Like Slow they build. were really building up this match, which I fucking love. There's nothing better than a Kensukabashi like slow burn match. The first three and a half minutes of this match are going forehead to forehead and then slapping each other on the chest. That's the first three and a half to four minutes of this whole match is just a chop fight. And I was here for it. Cause again, Chono is a, freaking elite striker and Kobashi's one of the best to ever do it so Kobashi clearly has the stronger shots yeah I mean it's like I don't know it's like going from who's got so it's like Gunther's obviously the number one but who else has great chops it's uh, like Seamus. Seamus has good chops yeah, it's like it's like when they would go when they're going at each other it's like okay you've got the best to do it and then you've also got Seamus, who's got yeah. great jobs. You know? uh, funnily enough, I was I had some coworkers today who were asking about like some wrestling stuff, and one of the things I showed them was a Gunther uh, chop compilation of just two minutes of him caving in chests. And I was like, this is what wrestling's like. Just, yeah. What do the five fingers say to your tits? That's, that's what Gunther says every day. <laughs> Gunther is Charlie Murphy for a new generation. So... After the slap fight, the longest thing, like the delay vertical suplex is like the only big spot for a while. Like they trade a couple of holds. There's some like escaping from each other's headlocks, things like that. And then one of the first big things too is a low blow by Chono that the ref misses. That gives him his first real big opening in the whole match. And we're like eight and a half minutes in. Yeah. Um, A little after that, Chono hits a bunch of inverted DDTs for a near fall. Uh, Kabashi does like the full body lariat is, I don't know how to really do it. It's like a leaping lariat where he's just like, Ugh. yeah, it's his whole self. Um, he does the machine gun chops in the corner. I know a, a, a favorite of yours. They're just funny. Cause like they, and they're so loud. Like, it's not like Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston. This is not a knock on Eddie. I love Eddie Kingston, but Eddie does it. And it's just like, he's like lightly he's, tapping he's a, the guy. He's a cat pawing at the door. That's yeah, what, what it sounds like Kabashi's doing rapid fire, but he's getting fucking sound on every single one of them. You know, um, Kenta Kabashi would absolutely murder the cup song from Pitch Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? When I'm gone, yeah. And so every I'm time, gone. every time he would do the tap on the cup, it would just shatter, <laughs> just make it explode. What do you think is like? The worst situation where you would want Kenta Kabashi around. The, is there like, like a is there like a bar game where you have to like slap the table or some shit like that? Some people play quarters where you have to slap the quarter down. So like that could be part of it. I had a friend actually try to stop a quarter from spinning once, and she shattered a shot glass with her bare hand. And we and we all kind of froze, and we were like, "Oh shit!" Like we're taking her to the hospital. Okay. She, she raised her hand. Nothing on it. Shattered. 
shattered glass. And we were like, are you unbreakable? <laughs> <laughs> are you Bruce Willis? Are you Bruce uh, Willis? <laughs> uh, Ch- Chono, it's a su- back suplex. The, the answer to your question, by the way, is playing patty cake. Because you'll end up in the next fucking room. <laughs> You're like, all right, all right, Kenta, patty cake. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Um, back suplex by Chono. Another one. Kabashi's just no selling. He gets up. A fourth one, which just right on his fucking head. I will say, Kobashi takes a long time to sell things in this match. He's not being very... Uh, he's not listen, playing ball the way Chono's playing ball in this match. Listen, this is a New Japan show, but he's still got to get his shit in. Um, I will say he does sell really well by the end of the match, like he, like the cumulative everything. But early on, he's kind of like, no, nah, I'm still good. Well, I just think post knee injury, Kobashi was also like that, where he's kind of in his Superman phase. You That's know, fair. he's not selling as much as like it's just kind of like a wear and tear over time. He'll start selling more. And I get more. that. I get that. Especially, I mean, the Joe match is just like that. Um, a fourth one, STF. Kobashi gets out of it eventually. Um, Kobashi hits his half and half suplex, and I'm just like, oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> love it uh massive right hand chono is down and honestly i think chono might have actually gotten knocked down <laughs> i would love to i would love to learn hit. if he did or not yeah it was it was huge um oh. we get a back suplex by chono stf gets locked in looks real good looks real good. good it looks good every time uh they trade headbutts which these are two men who oh. i would not want to take yeah. headbutts from are you yeah. fucking kidding me <laughs> Uh, is there anyone that you would want to take headbutts from? If you had to take headbutt from somebody, an active wrestler currently, who would you take a headbutt from? <sighs> I genuinely um, don't think Darby Allen would hurt me that much. No, because he's crazy. So he'll just go as hard as he possibly can. <laughs> who is some um, Ryan Nemeth? Akira Tozawa. No, Akira is Japanese. He's going in. I don't um, think he's hurt me. I think he's a saw. He's a gentle Ryan soul. Nemeth because he doesn't want to mess up his his beauty. Oh, true. Anybody with like a really pretty face, that's a good. Yeah, that's they a don't. Good they, that isn't like known for the like Mariah May, very beautiful woman. I feel like she'd take my fucking head off with a headbutt. I so currently and I this I'll, I'll, there's a point to this. I promise. I'm reading uh, the oral history of the show The OC right now, and uh, there was a they're talking about. Josh Schwartz, the creator of the OC, uh, yeah. is talking about how he was once out with Adam Brody right when the show had started getting popular. And uh, Adam Brody almost got in a fight. And Josh Schwartz stepped between the guy and Adam Brody because he was like, I need his face to be perfect for television. I don't need my face to look good. So he steps between them. Turns out they were getting punked by Benjamin McKenzie. Like, it was for the show punked and Josh Schwartz it wasn't told uh, and Ben when asked like why didn't you tell me I would have gone along with it Ben said like you're a great writer but a terrible actor oh that makes sense that's why that you're right sense. baby that's why you're right um, turnbuckle bomb by, uh, by Kobashi does the Half buckle bomb freak you out when you see people do it now yeah it, yeah especially it, like just in my brain that like that hurts people Here's the thing, though. It's just like I feel like after what happened with Sting and then Balor, um, I feel like people are more so mindful of the way that they're like grabbing and stuff. And I think yes. that moves where you are more mindful about how you have to position and all this stuff. Like, generally, I think that that has a tendency of going 
like more bad than it should. Uh, like, fair. I know it doesn't make any sense because you're thinking about it. You're, and we're like, thinking like, oh. it. But like, I think that like, you know, suplexes, power bombs, like these moves that you take without really thinking about it because it's just like muscle memory. Like those are, those tend to be like the safer ones. Like who gets hurt on suplexes? Like barely anybody, all this other stuff. Whereas like a move where you really like, you, know, you have to think about the execution of it, like pile drivers. Fucking yeah, that's fair. Buckle bombs. Like, I feel like if you're overthinking it, that's where the injuries really do tend to happen. Um, so, yeah, it gives me a little bit of the heebie-jeebies. But honestly, I think Japan is fine because they've just got the big turnbuckle pad there. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you're good. <laughs> so somebody's on the ropes with a towel for Chono who waves them off. We that's then get lifeless, man. A bunch of suplexes to Chono. It's a lot of half and halves, man. A yeah. lot of fucking half and halves. Chono tries to lock in an octopus stretch for a second. Kobashi immediately escapes. It's another half and half. Uh, Larry from Kobashi, another. He gets the pinfall. Uh, obviously, Chono's not going over on Kenta Kobashi for the uh, GHC Heavyweight Championship. We know that. That last Lariat was brutal. It's one of my favorites I've seen in a while. Like we haven't had people who have like man. huge lariats in a while in the pod, and that's like one of our staplers. Staple, staplers? staplers? One of our staples. <laughs> you, know, you know my red stapler? Have you seen my red stapler? That's a shout out for anyone who's seen Office Space. Great fucking movie. Uh, all right. Early 2004, Chono became the leader of the Black New Japan stable, which was the most dominating heel stable in New Japan at the time, until it was de- disbanded by Riki Choshu. As a reaction to this, Chono led an anti-Choshu army with uh, Hiroshi Tenzan and Black Strong Machine. Chono won the G1 in 2005 as well, getting his record. Of course he did. Five G1 victories. September 24th, a guy comes back from excursion. This young man... Shinsuke Nakamura, who joins the Black New Japan faction, and the goal for Chono was to reform New Japan with Chono as president and Nakamura as the ace. That leads to the G1 Tag Final in 2006. It's Chono and Nakamura versus Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kanemoto Tanahashi, the current president of things at uh, at New Japan, president of of personnel. Something no, like he's that? just the president. He's just the straight up president. Yeah, he's the president of New Japan. Jesus. He's the bo- he's the boss man. Um, yeah, no, I feel like this is just a thing that New Japan does. I mean, it happens with Chono. Like somehow the ace, the top guy, the the you know the one of the faces just ends up being the book of man. So in about ten years, when uh, when when Kazuchika Okada is running things over there in New Japan, it's gonna be a fun time. <laughs> I was like, when Toriano has the book. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> This is not going to be Ishii. I can tell you that. Uh, Giant Bernard and Tyson Tomko are in the corner of Chono and Nakamura, and it becomes yeah, really that, weird. that bothered me. It can be I'm really weird because you hear Giant Bernard just yelling things in English the whole match. whole match. It's um, very weird. This match is very... Like, I love this match for one reason and one reason only. Koji Kanemoto fucking won me over this match. I don't know who he reminds me of. But I like him Kota a lot. Ibushi. He reminds you of Kota Ibushi. The kicks. It is, is Kota Ibushi, isn't it's it? The kicks, and it's kind yeah. of the look. Like he just has the Kota Ibushi kicks. He doesn't have like the like Kota kicks people like legitimately. 
but it's, uh, it's obviously it the the like, athleticism is not the same, and the look is not the same either. But there are very there are parts of it specifically kicks. He reminds me of Rob Van Dam. I the see kicks, it. the kicks, the flexibility, some of the moves he hits. It's like, very this. bendy. Yeah, Rob Van Dam is kind of the comp if you're trying to get like out of out of Japan for a comp for once. I would say it's like a safe Kota Ibushi, personally. But but yeah, no, I see. The, I do see the RVD comp. Yeah. Um, Kanemoto explodes with strikes pretty early on. Uh, Chono gets the advantage back and then spits on him. Yeah. Also, Chono, I would be spitting on people too if I was just the way he's balding is is it's in spots. It's the top. It's the back, uh, and then it's also like clearly the sides. And I'm like, hold on, brother. How do you? How are you on the how, on the sides? How are you going? Like, how does it? How does it bald on the sides? Yeah, isn't that like the one spot it stays? Historically, yes. I don't know how baldness works. I don't really like my dad's not my dad and my grandfather have asked me in like ask me in like three years, brother. I'll be I'll I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> nah, you're good. You're holding strong. Hold the line. You have had the same line. Pretty much your entire life. I have. I had, baby photos are weird, man. All right. Uh, again, to to go through this bit by bit would be a lot. Um, a lot. Talk about the other, like the reasons Kanemoto won you over, and then let's talk about Chono in this match. It it was the kicks, it's the mannerisms. Again, you reminded me so much of Kota Ibushi, and I fucking love Kota Ibushi, so that was pretty easy for me to to get uh to to get to have happen. He's also like so good at selling, and I don't know. There's just something. I don't know if you felt the same way, but there's just something about Tanahashi in this match that I just don't like. Like, for some reason, I'm actively rooting against him. You know what I mean? You know who it reminds me of? And this is going to be a very weird comp, but I need you to stick with me. Have you ever seen clips of when One Direction gets formed on that show? Like, on X Factor? Yes. And you're like, you guys are all going to become a lot less insufferable in a, in a little while, and I'll like you then. It's, it's like, like you guys are all trying too hard. Yes, that's kind of how I felt about Tanahashi in this match. I was like, yeah. you're you're the thing I like, like because Nakamura nails his role. Nakamura is almost like he's almost like Dominic Mysterio, and he's just a he's just an asshole here. Which I mean, no, very- Hiro Shinsuke has always been good in yes. New Japan. He was always but, good, but at he's that a very role. specific. Like, I'm the new young hot star. Get the fuck out of my way. Like, that's yeah. very much what he's trying to do here. And Chono. Chono's Chono. He hasn't changed. Chono's Chono. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that they were a very good fit with each other because Chono has this edge, you know, because yeah. he is just the badass of all badasses, whereas Nakamura is just fucking brutal. Everything, it's, you know, Shinsuke is a baby face is brutal. Shinsuke is a heel is even more so scary. Um, so at one point, like he just looks like such a badass. By the way, I know another reason why I don't like Tanahashi as much in this match. His hair—it's not the hair. It's not quite. It's not the hair. It's not quite right. It's not as all might hair. So I yeah. don't care. If, I don't care about whatever Tanahashi's got this going is, on. This there. is the Bulbasaur of hairs. Like he eventually gets to the Venus. Like the, this is the Bulbasaur of hairs. <laughs> Although the Tanahashi hair, low key, just kind of looks like Ivy Sore, but still, um, yeah. It kind of does. Kanemoto has some great kicks uh, after. So Shinsuke tags in. He looks like such a badass. He's absolutely a wrecking house. Kanemoto gets some great kicks looking here. And that was the point where I wrote down, like, this guy fucking kicks just like shit, or just like Kota Ibushi. Um, Tanahashi hits a nice leaping forearm. 
uh, that really just kind of looks like Balor's. But those guys' move sets are so interchangeable because they basically just did the exact same things. <laughs> that yeah. I don't even know what to tell you. Uh, I don't know who did it first. Um, Chono gets in the ring, causes chaos because that's just what he is. This was chaos before chaos. The uh, the best thing that Chono does in this match. There's two things I want to talk about. One is hitting three straight pile drivers, spike pile drivers. Three straight spike pile drivers, uh, and then a- another one uh, where he's going up against Tanahashi, and I'm like, wow, like nice little takedown. He's doing some strikes, and he just knees him in the balls. I was like, <laughs> God damn it, Chono, you're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> you're the best chono, um, chono is somebody who i feel like is really funny without trying to be funny you know what i mean yeah he just does things I'm like that's fucking hilarious it's like uh it's it's a lot of the dry humor stuff i don't know i i've been on the brooklyn 99 kick because you found out before the podcast it's a lot of like the captain holt stuff that's just so yes. funny or like the the hitchcock and scully stuff that yeah. like it they're not they're just buffoons you pop, know pop dropping bodies to stick they're not meant to be funny um <laughs> you know it's like things like that or when charles is like unintentionally funny uh yeah. and then okay so back to the match here stf looks great every time kanemoto stops shinsuke uh with just one of the cleanest kicks you'll ever see in your life kanemoto hits what's essentially yes kicks while tanahashi is holding up i think it's nakamura um yeah. superplex into an ankle lock with a grapevine that Shinsuke has to break up. Uh, Kanemoto hits a moonsault for a near fall. And then you get that low blow. Uh, and then we get the spot of the match. Kanemoto hits a broski boot, brother. It's he hits very, the broski boot. He does like the face wash a little bit with his boot. And then he backs up and just hits the broski boot. It's great. I love it was it. not what I expected it? to see. Did you see that Chelsea Greed hit the Rough Rider uh, on uh, on Monday? I didn't, but that's very fun. Yeah, she hit the Rough Rider. It was great. Um, is uh, is Matt Cardona coming back at the Rumble 11? I'll pop. I'll pop for Zack Ryder. I'll pop for it. I love it. Yeah. Love Zack Ryder. The other uh, other names I've heard, aside from like people who are injured, like I've heard like Big E and Liv Morgan, things like that. I heard Xbox coming back at the Rumble. Ooh. Honestly, come back as the one, two, three kid. I'd fu- I'd I'd pop. Come back at six. Um, if the NWO music comes comes on and six comes out, people would riot. <laughs> people break it down. If 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 the NWO music comes on and everyone's like, Kevin Nash is here, Hulk nah, Hogan's like, here. Who's the, the worst thing. NWO member who could come out? <sighs> there Vincent. were so many. Good answer, Virgil. It's virtual. Uh, it's definitely yeah. virtual. No, here's the thing though. There were so many though. Like, is it Bischoff? It's Bischoff. I think the funniest thing in the world would be to play the NWO music and have Virgil come out. I think that's that is peak no, comedy. But like, here's the thing: it has to be the X Factor song because oh, otherwise, yeah. like, you hit DX's music and we're like, oh my god, Triple H or Sean. Let's go. Maybe Something Road like Dog. That, right? Maybe Road Dog. Really good. But no, we get X Pac. Like, if you hit the NWO music, oh my God, we're going to get one of the NWO guys. Oh, it's X Pac. <laughs> I think it'd be very funny given the Judgment Day storyline to have uh, NWO music hit and our truth comes out and he's like, this is our group, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that'd be very fun. 
imagine seeing all the like pictures that you're he's so been funny. Up, you're so funny. Shout out to Nick Mysterio. Tom and Nick Mysterio. Don't get it twisted. Don't forget Tom. Yeah. <laughs> um so yes, there's the the Broski boot. Jump kick catches a bus uh from Nakamura. Drop kicks by both men to Nakamura in the corner, and a double drop kick to him coming off the ropes. Nakamura kicks out of a pin and into an armbar uh, on Kanemoto. Tanahashi breaks it up. Nakamura with a suplex Tanahashi and a one to Kanemoto for a two count. A surprise roll up almost gets Nakamura. I thought that was the end of the match, even though I knew. Yeah, that was a clean small package too. Yeah, Shout out Kanemoto. Uh, not, what is the move that Nakamura hits at the end? So Chono's like choking Tanahashi on the apron. <laughs> He's um, attempting and then- murder. Nakamura honestly hits basically a one winged angel. That's okay. Cause I was like, it's not a one winged angel, but it's the but close. It's, it's close. It is, it's, it's essentially, it's the fucking, what's it called? It's, if, uh, if, you know how you could use, used to be able to do the move blender sometimes on WWE or like, you yeah, could, you could move, if you took the, the rotation of the F5, but instead it lands like a one winged angel, that's what it is. Oh, it's, I mean, that's just, it's an FU into, it's a DVD into, but forward. But whatever that it's but there's, there's a little bit of that forward. brock lesnar spinning because brock lesnar fucking yeets people well it, i don't know if you knew this or not but brock lesnar and shinsuke nakamura had a match in new japan pro wrestling yeah and brock lesnar is a gorilla who's masquerading as a human so they get the win they win the g1 tag league very exciting um chono would be with new japan until 2010 when he left new japan to become a freelancer went all around did a bunch of different things in 2022, Chono discussed how Kajimura requested to have his retirement match with him, but wasn't sure if he could compete. But then on February 21st of last year, Chono was challenged to an impromptu match by Muto during Muto's retirement show at the Tokyo Dome, which Chono won and then announced his own retirement following the match. So Chono went out against Muto. His first match in New Japan was against Chono. His last match was against Chono. It's great. It's a beautiful yeah. story. I mean, it lasted all of two seconds, pretty much. <laughs> But still, nice to see Chono oh, Muto. That's man. that's exciting. Um, yeah, you knew Chono before, so I'm gonna go first in the one that I learned. Uh, this guy yeah. rules. <laughs> that's a pretty. Easy... He's so cool. He's very cool. Um, the the talent's very much there. Of the three Musketeers that we have seen, I think he's second on my list. I think Muto's last. Wow. Okay. I, I fucking love Shinya Hashimoto. That's my. Guy. I do. I do Hashimoto. That's my guy. But I think. <laughs> I, know, I think Shono. Guy. I think I appreciate the little things he does, the intensity he brings to it. There's very much like yeah. a cerebral assassin type thing that I see within him. Uh, Mudo. It's I, weird. Again, he's got like. He's just like a blend of like the Steiners, like pretty much any of them, even yeah. even freaking Braun, uh, any of them, like. Uh, the Nakamura, like Japanese brawler yeah. kind, and then just also like fucking Diesel, just because he's so cool. Yeah, he's, he's got like a, a blend lot. of all. He's three got of those a lot guys. going to him, and he could do a lot of different styles. Like we could see, obviously, he did the exploding death match. He works tag, like a lot of good stuff. Also, to be such a focal point in the company for that long, and always be somebody who is in the mix is worth something. Like it's worth yeah. it to like, you know he was there for over 20 years like he was a focal point in new japan for that long you gotta give him props for that yes yes you absolutely do he's great um i cannot say many more good things about uh chono again we just didn't i wanted to spread out his career he's got a long career so so i didn't get enough of his prime in there but those that from like 93 to about 96 he is almost untouchable 
uh, as a performer, uh, you know, in New Japan, you know, we've got to preface that because that's that's a pretty that those are those are really competitive years for for wrestling. Uh, as far as even Japanese wrestling with, with what's going on over there in all Japan, but uh, but yeah, no, he he his prime years were so he was so good. Um, again, he's a guy who's won five G ones. Like that's something, that's something. that only Okada. I think Okada's won five. Not anything about it, but but Okada is the only guy that even comes close. And if you're compared to arguably the best Japanese wrestler New Japan Pro Wrestling's ever had, uh, congratulations! Like, like honestly, congratulations because Okada is just the guy. He is. He's, Okada has four. He's got four. Okay, so yeah. he's one way. Um, and yeah, like, and he he's gonna he's gonna break it. I can just promise you that. Short of career-ending injury, he's gonna break it. But if you're wondering, in terms of the other tournaments, Anoki has 10, but this wasn't the G1 then. Yeah, but he was also the booker man slash owner slash Antonio Anoki. So, yeah. When the only other people who won the tournament during his time were Saiji Sakaguchi, Andre the Giant, and Hulk Hogan. So, he won um, because he, he wanted to win. He didn't let himself get pinned for like 20 fucking years or some shit like that. What are we doing here? It's a, it's a bit much. All right, next week on Japanuary, we're going to wrap up Japanuary in a big way. Next week, we finally dive into the career of Mayu Iwatani, one of the outstanding women wrestlers of our time. I'm very excited. This is one of Javier's personal favorites. Yes, the ace of stardom, the legend of stardom. Truly. So we're going to see some Io Shirai. We're going to see some Julia. We're going to see some Mercedes Monet. All Uh, of that as we cover Mayu Iwatani. Hey, you might have noticed this was episode 198. What are we doing for our 200th episode? We're going to do a Q&A as well as revisit Eddie Guerrero, who's the topic of our first ever episode so many moons ago. So we're going to cover three of the matches we already covered for Eddie Guerrero as well as a Q&A. Hit us up on Instagram, on Twitter with some questions for our Q&A. We're going to have some prompts in our Instagram stories. You can just DM us on Twitter. You can tweet at us, whatever you want to do, at Crossbody of Work. You'd also leave them in the comment section of this video right now on YouTube at Crossbody of Work. Hit subscribe while you're here. Javier, where can people find you on social media? I'm on the Twitter machine at JMLO Sports. I swear to God, there will be a sign one day. There will episode, be. Episode 200, there will be a sign. Also, you should follow me on Twitter at It's Evan Gomes, I-T-S-E-V-A-N-G-O-M-E-S. Fullpressshop.com. Cop the merch, support the boys. Full Press Wrestling for all of the links to all the matches this week and every week when we do the podcast. The other thing to note, in two weeks' time, we're going to be debuting a brand new look for the podcast. So you may see it in your Spotify feed, your Apple podcast feed, that it looks a little different. It's still us. It's still the same content. We're still full of shit. Have a great time. It just looks a little different. We're throwing things back a wee bit. bit. Very excited because it's also going to be new merch. So fullpressshop.com for some new merch in the near future. So keep an eye out on this stuff because it's still there too. It's still there too. Get all that good stuff. Thank you for listening. It's time for everyone's favorite part of the podcast. Javier, any final words for the people? This week on Life Advice with Javier, I watched Iron Claw last night, Evan. Yes, and it was very good. It is a very good movie. I cannot recommend it enough to people. Uh, we're all wrestling fans here. We did a Von Eric episode. A Von Eric's episode. We know what's up. We know what's happening. Um it still fucking is a gut punch. Um, and this week's life advice is honestly like, look, man, 
watching that movie, there were five brothers. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, there were five brothers and then there was just Kevin. Uh, and, and honestly, it just like... We also, see, we've never done a Von Eric episode. We haven't? We did the Freebirds. That's, why, what, that's what you're thinking of. Oh, my God. No. Yes, because... Wait, the Fritz. We did a Fritz von Eric retirement match. Is that against the Freebirds? That no, that's an, an entirely different thing. He has his retirement match against uh, somebody. I'm gonna look it up, but he has his retirement match against somebody else that we're thinking of. Oh my god! I guess they've shown up so often that that I didn't even realize. Um, but yeah, no, like the von Erichs. Ep, it, it, it's a it's it's wrestling's tragedy. It's you know I'm not gonna spoil the movie, but if you're a wrestling fan who's like in the know. If you're listening to this, I assume you're in the know. Uh, you know, we know what happens to with the Von Eric family. But anyways, you know, going from, you know, going through the leaps and bounds with that family, seeing the buildup of brother, like brotherhood and all this other stuff. It, it's just one of those deals where, you know, uh, I, I get out of that theater and I immediately started thinking about my brother. And I was just like, that is a bond that is just like, it's just me and my brother. Like uh, he's my only sibling, all this stuff. It, and, you know, it's it's one of those things where like that is you don't have to be best friends with that person. I know a lot of people like are, but you don't have to be best friends with that person. There's just this there's just this like natural camaraderie that 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 I feel like, you know, most people, if you if we're lucky enough, have with our with our brothers. Uh, Evan, I know you've got three. I'm sure you, right. you, you feel the exact same way. Um, I love them. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, even if you, like, I haven't text, talked to my brother, texted him in a while. It's been probably a week or two. So it's just like, hey, you know, love you, man. And, and it's one of those things where, like, uh, I think it really will affect you if you're just like a guy watching that and you have a brother. Cause it's one of those things where, like, yeah, like that's, that's that brotherhood. Was me. That yeah. was awesome. That's great. And then it's just like, fuck. <laughs> also, it's probably going to, uh, really connect with you if you have a bad dad uh but that'll connect in a whole different way that's fritz, fritz von eric was in the king kong bundy episode bundy oh my god match it's crazy um anyways episode yeah, 176 like, go listen to that the the the, the point to put to put a ball on it all life advice this week one go watch iron claw it's a terrific movie support it it's a it's, a, it's an independent film it's a24 who i guess i mean they're an independent studio they're one of the bigger ones but they're still an independent studio um, you know, go watch it. It's it's great. Zac Efron is fucking fantastic as Kevin Von Eric. Um, but also like, yeah, if you're look, if you're a guy reading this or listening to this, and you have a brother, just just fucking text your brother, tell him you love him, all this stuff. Like, you just never know, you know. You just, just go never appreciate know. that bond that you guys have. Just even if you don't have that bond, just fuck it. Text him anyways. Be like, hey, love you, man. And just, just do it. Try to win the tag titles with your brother. It yeah. sounds like a fun thing to do. Bring me the world title. <laughs> Bring me pictures of Spider-Man. All right. That's going to wrap up this week's episode. Uh, thank you so much for joining us as we continued on in Japan. We got one more episode. Mayu Iwatani right before episode 200. We will see you again next week. Yakuza. Yakuza.